listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Hey, you, stop what you're doing and go to patreon.com slash 9to5cc. Why are you doing this? Because you love the show and you want to support us. You can subscribe to the 90s Deluxe level and get access to Garbage Time, which is a bonus episode that releases after each and every episode of 90s. On this week's bonus episode, Garbage Time, we talk about dreams that I had. Scott talks about auditioning to be a voice actor. We talk about a bunch of comics, which then leads us to talking about Marvel Snap. It's the content that is so good that we can't put it in the main episode. Don't ignore the fact that we call it Garbage Time. Uh, on this, the main episode, the episode you're talking, we talk about Hurricanes versus Byronados. We talk about this metal TV show, uh, Tony Hawk Underground. We talk a lot about Baldur's Gate 3. Scott's a Spider-Verse, cross the Spider-Verse, I should say, which means that we rank it, because now two of us have seen it. And then Scott talks about the forgotten gem that is Deep Rising. All this and more. Roll it. Like the listener. <laughs> Usually when we record these, uh, we could see each other. So we have the added visual element that you, the podcast listener, does not have. But not today. We can't see each other at all. It's like I blame a- the Googles. Probably. That makes sense. I was going to say, it's like, did you guys ever do that in high school? Like, did you ever have, uh, like, three-way voice chats, like, looped in, like, with like, a group of people? Sure. Yeah. When was the last Party time? Party line. Party lines. We used to, uh, growing up as a kid in the North Shore, um, we used to piggyback someone in Montreal's phone sometimes because it was genuinely long distance to call the South Shore from the North Shore. Yeah. So, but (laughs) it was not long distance for either of the two to call Montreal. So you could have someone hosting a like three way call if they were in Montreal. And then you could have people in from the South Shore and the North Shore. Nobody's paying long distance. That makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. I think this is something that this is like, I mean, I don't think we really have listeners this young, but this probably sounds like insanity. I mean, let's, let's be fair that telephone companies were insane. They were insane people <laughs> that would, that would charge you for a touchtone line. My last like phone bill for my landline on, on Trenum. <clears throat> it was like $3 a month to have a touchtone line. Otherwise, it had to be a rotary. Or like, when you push the button, it would beep like a rotary phone. That's so weird. I'm so happy that I got rid of the phone up at the cabin, finally. I finally have a soft phone up there. I guess, and like, you know what? If there's an emergency, you can get signal by just like jogging up to the <laughs> jogging up to the road. And I was like, it's just, I cannot in good conscience pay. it Just to maintain a landline... With no long distance package, no answering machine, no call display, no anything is like forty something dollars a month. Up at the cottage, we had the same thing except it was eighty, and uh, and then fiber came in, and it's like, is is your landline going to be more reliable than the fiber? Uh, I don't know. We got a cell phone too. Yeah, pretty much same same. My pops calls up Bell and is like, look, guys, you want $80 a month for this phone line. I can get a $10 soft phone over the thing. Come on. I, like, you, you got you to gotta bring the price down a little. You know, I'll even stay with you if it's reasonable. And uh, they weren't willing to budge. I don't, even pay a mo- I don't even pay a monthly fee for my soft phone. <laughs> <laughs> I literally – I have a package that is unlimited North American calling, and it costs me 0. .08 of a penny so less than a penny a minute and then it's just prepaid mm. 
So it costs it cost 0.8 cents. Makes perfect sense. Hey. But yeah, that's it. And I'm just sort of like, well, I, I use the like use the phone a grand total of maybe maybe three or four minutes a month up there. Yeah. So I'm like my my sum charges I think so far for the summer have been like seventeen cents. Delightful. Take that. Shell. Throwing that change around. Exactly. <laughs> I prepaid I prepaid ten dollars on my on my VoIP uh, account, and it seems like it will last me forever. The rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was fun though. It was also since it's a soft phone, and since it's a VoIP account, if I really want to, I can just I can have a install like a VoIP application on my phone, so my number up there could ring on my phone, like at home, if ever like I was like, oh, I need to get something for some reason. Someone's calling me up at the cabin, like I'm arranging like a construction thing or whatever. I can just have it <laughs> ringing on my cell phone if I want it. What a time. We live in future times. Uh huh. In a future time where we can't be (laughs) sharing video while we record a podcast. We also live in future times. (laughs) Uh, Is it Star Trek? Is it Johnny Mnemonic? Yes. Yes, it is. It is both. Yeah, seriously. I feel that we kind of like. We're getting some of the high tech from the utopian sci fi, and then we're getting a lot of the dystopian tech from the dystopian sci fi. Mm -hmm. And I mean. Who knows what's what? I mean, I know, John, on your topic of discussion, you wanted Hurricanes. I, I don't know that there's too much more to say about that. <laughs> Other than that they um, exist? So that that's the thing now. Wasn't that today? I, I, I meant to look this up. I didn't get the full, the full story on this. But apparently there was an earthquake and a hurricane at the same time in uh, around L.A. Yep. Things are really messed up down there. Did you guys, did you guys see anything? Yeah, I saw a picture of Dodger Stadium where the entire parking lot was flooded. The stadium was just by itself. Yeah. I think there might have been... This might not be the first ever Hurricane. Probably not, but... I don't know. I mean, this year. Like, I remember remember Hurricane and... What do you call it? Like, Flame Nados. Sharknado. No, Flame Nados, though. (laughs) Right? Which was in in the wildfires and whatever. There was such high winds that there were just tornadoes of fire going through the wildfires. And you're like, neat. I don't know. (laughs) If you wanted wildfires to be... Hmm? A really severe hurricane is that scarier than a fire NATO? Hmm. I don't know. Really, it depends where That's you a are. Tough one. Yeah. Right. Like I feel yeah. that a fire NATO. It's the like I'm trying to think of them as bad guys. <laughs> right? Depends on your proximity to the fire NATO. Yeah. Exactly. It's like I feel that like a, a hurricane. You're you're sitting there and it's rain and it's flood and you're like okay as long as I can like get to high land slash not have a building fall on me. There's like ways about it, but if I'm like in a forest fire and a fire NATO is coming at me, that might be more immediately terrifying. Like up close and personal, it's like I think it's like the difference between like an axe murderer and a mass shooting. Go on. You know, like a mass shooting is going to like have a higher body count and it's going to be like pretty random, but you're just sort of like. Uh-huh. You know, like, but at the same time, most people in a mass shooting are fine, right? Like, there's like thousands of people and like twelve die, versus like an axe murder. If it's coming for you, you're like you you're dead. It's coming for you. Mm. And I'm saying, fire NATO is the axe murderer. Hurricane would be the mass shooting. Right, right. Indiscriminate versus like targeted. Like a fire NATO would be like it's coming at me, and like it would be yeah, like like John. If I if I told you there was uh, a fire NATO in Montreal, you'd mm-hmm. be like. Weird. No, run. And if I told you there was a earthquake in Montreal, you'd be like, "Man, that's gonna suck." Uh-huh. But if I said there was a fire NATO, like in your backyard, on, 
on Cote Saint Luke Road, you'd be like, "Oh no, that is that is far too close." I do not like that. Yeah, yeah. I think so. So, it's, it's, I think proximity is the deciding factor. Anyway, it's the end times, guys. Welcome to episode two ninety two. Ah man. Uh, I, I thought about the end times, and the end times is my transition into. I'm four or five episodes into the Twisted Metal television show. I was going to ask you about that because I <laughs> saw that- the trailer for it on YouTube like ten times, and I'm like, oh, this is a show for Keith. <laughs> this is a game that Keith played to death. You, <laughs> no, you, you mean the PlayStation Rock'em Sock'em card? It has a television show and it has not had an entry in the series since PlayStation 3. That's amazing. It's almost like, well, I don't know why. They're like, hey, Keith, do you remember that game you enjoyed from the 90s? What if we put the Falcon in it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I kind of remember that game having an astonishing attention to detail in the storytelling department. Oh, it, I, it, like, it was like really elaborate. It was super good. Had super like big, big storyline, sprawling storyline. Every character had like their own story arc when you played through it. It was like dark and weird and very totally like, unnecessary. Yeah, exactly. That's totally. It. Like, you, yeah. you could just be like, it's cars and they shoot, right? Like that's 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 enough because it was a fun game based on cars. The and I would argue like. Only really, like, one misstep, which would be four. Like, Twisted Metal 1 was, like, a launch title on PlayStation. And if you, like, look at it, it was, like, really... It was pretty rough. Huh? Rough, but at the same time, it was definitely, like, cars moving around in 3D, like, really fast-paced with explosions, which was kind Mm -hmm. of, like... Like, I would say after... Like, for PlayStation launch titles, I think the two most, like, visually impressive games... Like, top tier would be Wipeout. Like, Wipeout... Blew my mind of how good it looked on the PlayStation, and like Twisted Metal was kind of below that because like there for was sure of, it was, but yeah. like but not but not far below. Like it looked like you're like oh shit this this game is impossible on the Super Nintendo. You know what you're, I mean? Like if, if you compare Wing Commander three, how dare you, sir? Yeah, but I'm just how saying like if you compared you, it sir? to the 3D <laughs> of Super Nintendo, right? Which was like largely your uh, Star Fox and okay, Mario hold on, Kart hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're, not, you're not comparing it to the Super Nintendo. You're comparing it to the 64. No, because it was PlayStation predate 64. 1995 was the PlayStation. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a year or something, because because the N64 was not far beyond the mm-hmm. PlayStation, if it even was. It absolutely was not. I mean, it was maybe yeah. a year or two later for sure. It was like not yeah. that far, but, but like it was not. It was not at all at the same point. Yeah, no, but, that, but that's what I'm saying. But, like, the PlayStation, like Scott said, was 95, yep, yep, right? Like, yep. you're playing, you were playing Mario in 94, <laughs> you know, like. Think about NHL 94, and then think about freaking Wing Commander 3 with a full movie yep. in it. Yep. With, Mark like, John Rice Davies and Mark Hamill. And... I'm trying to think. That like, was wild. When did Mario Kart come out? Mario came out in 92. So imagine, like, Mario Kart, three years later, you're watching a ice cream truck drive around and explode things. Yeah. I mean, those were a busy three years for video gaming. Was Doom not in there? That was, a that was like, a watershed Mm -hmm. moment for uh, for video games. Doom Doom also started to look... Yeah, Wolfenstein and Doom were both before that. But, like, full full video that wasn't the Sega CD garbage. Like, it was actually a game with full video in it. Yeah, and the Sega so, CD was like an eighth and, of your screen size too. Yeah, and it, it, <laughs> yeah, it had full like, full audio capabilities, like actual music got played, not MIDI. Yeah, 
yeah, voices. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which was a big deal in the uh, uh, for Twisted Metal too. Was those cutscenes were all like they were even though they were, a lot of them were just like still photos that looked really nice. They had that live voiceover with like Calypso narrating them and all that stuff, and you're like, ah, the weird what? dudes talking. Once again, man, Wing Commander Three had a full three-hour movie in that game. I I, I remember. That, what a, what a, what a glorious disaster! Did it have a game in there? Yeah, <laughs> a, a sort of. It I don't know, it man. Did. Like, was it better, like, or, or different in any really seriously measurable way than Wing Commander Two? So, kind of no, kind of no. But it did have that in the way, like, oh, you messed up this mission, and now the rest of the game is different. Like the Kilrathi okay. have okay. the advantage, and they filmed a movie. That explained that, like, oh no, we lost the planet. We yeah, have to you're go not gonna, retreat. You're not gonna, then. you're not gonna get to see. Every... Do you guys remember Offworld Interceptor? No. Am I the only one? So Offworld Interceptor is very, very special. Has like a special, special place in my heart. I, we will, pro- I promise, we'll actually talk about the TV show that just came out, Crystal Metal. But Offworld Interceptor <laughs> is not far from it. So you're playing. It's kind of like a. It's like a, a driving shooter. Like you're in a you're in like a little like a dune buggy and you're driving and you're just like shooting and you're you're not on rails, but it's what's like the kind of plays like a space harrier, but you're in a car. Like you know, in space yeah. harrier, you're, you're like running and jumping, but you're also kind of flying. Oh yeah, man! I, li- yeah, I yeah. played the shit out of thing on the master yeah. system. Yeah, plays yeah. so except plays a lot like space harrier. You don't have infinite flight though, but like you can car can like kind of like jump and boost, but you're like always driving and shooting. And it has the most dog shit FMV in the world. And in a moment of like pure genius, I think that the developers, I I don't know, I really, someone needs to find out like an oral history of this or whatever. But like, they decided that to just have two like silhouettes of like guys in couches. And they basically, in the actual game, so you're playing this game that has a storyline, but every time it cuts to an FMV scene, there's, like, two dudes on couches who are, like, MST3King, the shitty FMV that you're watching. Which is not a part wow. of the game. <laughs> like, there's just this meta element. Well, there's just this meta element of it happening. And, like, up to, like, and obviously it's, like, a shooter. So, like, everything is just drive and destroy the guy. So, like, but every time they're, like, driver, you gotta do this. And they're, like, this guy sucks. And there's one of them, like, it cuts for, like, two minutes. It's just the two guys going, like, la, 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 just yelling over it. You have no idea what the story is. <laughs> And then they just launch into the next mission. They're like, I wonder if any of that was important. And you just start the next level. Hmm. It was delightful. Doing boogies on rails. I'm sure, well, no, you're not, well, you said you're not on full, you're not on rails, but like you only have like, what do you call it? Like maybe like three screens wide of Mm -hmm. terrain. So like you can drive around, like there are paths, but like you can't like turn around, you know? Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. Either way, it was wild. And I really want to go back and watch... <laughs> I'm sure it's on YouTube. I want to watch those FMVs to know if it was hilarious. Because to me, as a teenager, it was very funny. But I'm sure it's just juvenile. you you got to look up speedrunning that game. Because there's guaranteed someone out there has dedicated hundreds of hours to, to speedrunning the shit out of this game. Probably. But then they'd be skipping the FMVs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that would be... That, that's the whole point. Anyway, I, I love that game, and I played it, and I, I remember I made a VHS tape of the FM, of just the FMVs, because they were so funny, so I could, like, show my friends. Okay, so the TV show. The TV show, Twisted Metal, yeah. So, I looked it up, 
Uh, and then I stopped looking it up because I thought about Offworld Interceptor. But I wanted to see when the game came out. So yeah, the game came out in 1995. And then I think the, the last one was Twisted Metal on the PlayStation 3, which was 2012. So there has not been a new entry in the game in 11 years, but they were like, hey, let's have a television show based on it. I don't know who decided to do this and why NBC or whatever tried to give them money. Like, that's... Comp- I, I, w- I think the answer is pretty fucking obvious, right? It goes like this. It's the same reason we're getting a clone high TV show. They had they had bots or AIs or whatever go through, like, IPs from 20 years ago that they could buy on the cheap that mm-hmm. have more or less universal acclaim among the, like, the fans. And I'm sure there's, like, a, a set of criteria by which they would exclude ones that, that they didn't think they could become profitable enough. But, like, everybody who remembers Twisted Metal fucking was, it was, like, blown away by what a weird, bizarre gem of a game it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, same thing with Clone High. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, they got got to get no, value out of our nostalgia. I don't, I don't believe that after what happened to Cowboy Bebop. I, mean, I think that was a genuine attempt to do something different, and I think was it was an attempt. pretty. I think it was pretty successful, and it was like killed by a bunch of circumstances. Uh, I, I agree. I mean, like it got its season, yeah. right? And and to be fair, though, yeah. for some reason, twist like I said, they did get its season, right? It did get made, but at the same time, when you're looking at like Clone High, you're talking about more Clone High. When you're talking about like Cowboy Bebop, you're talking about a live action adaptation of an anime. This is a television show based on a video game. This isn't, let's bring the video game back. Yeah, this one is a pretty big stretch. <laughs> you know, but, like... But clearly there's an audience. I mean... And apparently it's, it's doing really well is yeah. the, what's insane to me. Because, like, I don't... I really don't know who it's for. Like, I mean, other than me. Like, I'm like, it's, it's, there, there's, a, there's a lot of really strange no. choices. Go ahead, Scott. I know who it's for. It's for everyone who's, like, a huge geek... And, and video game nerd and, and who has spent the last five years online uh, making their identity no more comic book movies. And, and as well that, as video game movies? Because video game movies do not have a good pedigree, sir. It's, oh, hold it's on, that hold on. loophole. It's that loophole that lets them go back online and talk about the show that they're watching. And all of their other friends aren't like, oh, I thought you were done with, with this. And like, no, no, no. It's from a 1995 PlayStation game. It's not a comic book. I'm still okay. My new identity allows me to like this. Okay, the clown car has guns. <clears throat> Correct. And the clown guy has a knife. Mm-hmm. The clown guy is also like the most brilliant dual casting in the world. <laughs> you know this, right, Scott? No, again, I've only seen the YouTube okay. trailers. So Sweet Tooth is played by the body of Samoa Joe and the voice of Will Arnett. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> not, since, not since Darth Vader. You know. <laughs> James Earl Jones. The same thing. But even even that casting is pretty much like you're like, hey, you know what Keith would get a kick out of? <laughs> if the murder clown was Samoa Joe with Will Arnett's voice. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I do get a kick out of that. <laughs> See, that's just making it deeper and deeper into your niches. Mm-hmm. Bojack Gacy. That's right. Again, both yeah. Uh-huh. Oh man, but yeah, that's it. It's uh so yeah, the, the show it, it's also like weirdly, not weirdly, like it's it doesn't try to like reinvent itself. Like it it assumes the apocalypse happened in the 90s cuz that's when the games happened. 
<laughs> so it's That's like every the backdrop by which this makes sense. Yeah, exactly. That's it. So it's yeah. like all the music is '90s tracks, like '90s early 2000s tracks. Like all the clothing and style, even in the apocalypse, is like '90s 2000s clothing because like people obviously haven't like updated their clothes. They're just post-apocalyptic '90s 2000s clothes. Like it's so very weird that they stuck the aesthetic and everything. Decided to just keep it. We- it's apparently the people who did Deadpool. So huh. it, it's yeah, it's uh, it's weird. It's fun. I feel that what it where it lacks is is a little bit of. They needed a little bit more money to really get the, like, car action combat stuff. Because there's a couple mm-hmm. scenes that are okay with it, but I'm like, you can tell that this was done on the cheap. But apparently it did well, so I'm like, hopefully that maybe they get a better budget for, like, season two, just for some of the car action. Because I'm like, other than, I would say, the first episode, there isn't really any, like, super cool, like, car fighting. And I'm like, that's the game, though, right? Like, we don't play yeah. the game... To just watch, to like watch people sit around and talk. The game is cars shooting at each other. You need to have that. But there is something car related in all episodes. So I guess they're like at one point they have like a whole big like a bunch of rigs that all drive next to each other, and they have like these like interlocking connecting platforms that can extend so that they can keep like reconfiguring, and it's like a whole like moving town. And that's really? neat, exactly. But but you know, but they don't yeah. those those don't shoot at each other or whatever. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I so far it, it's the other thing too is that it's thirty minute episodes, which is always a bonus. Hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I've got so much time for shows that are like, no, I'm thirty minutes. Anyway, yeah. I I hope I hope they may, honestly I hope it means that they get to make a new video game on it. That's what I want because the last one was really good. The PlayStation Three one, like when they, which was they made one on PlayStation Two, Twisted Metal Black, which was amazing. And then they made Twisted Metal, just Twisted Metal, on PlayStation Three, which was like really good, like really really well balanced version of it, kind of like, kind of the ultimate version of it. And then there hasn't been any other like real car combat games since. And I'm like, and I know I'm sure it's a small market, but like if you're Twisted Metal, I think you could make one. I know? gotta ask, I don't remember who was the studio who made this. It was Sony? Like it was, uh, huh. it was a, an in-house thing. So like they, Crazy. I'm assuming they still own it. I'm looking. Do, 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 do. Oh, that makes me so sad. Is it Sony Pictures? Uh, probably. Uh, see, so oh. yeah, it was single track developed it originally, but then yeah, Sony Interactive were the de- the devs, and Sony Interactive Entertainment were the publishers. I don't know what the game is, if it's Sony Pictures or not. Yeah, but yeah. I mean the TV show. But yeah. I mean, if we're just asking for ninety-five video games, I I, I wouldn't mind a Wing Commander television show. <laughs> It's been a long time. Battlestar Galactica was like, what, 10 years, 15 years ago now? I, I John Reese davies my... is dead, though. John Reese davies is dead, though. Mm-hmm. Is he dead? I thought he was in the last Indiana Jones movie. Is he? He's in the trailer. Huh. Is he, Maybe. Is he Maybe he's not dead. He's John Reese davies is a Welsh actor known for playing Salad in the Indiana Jones franchise. He is 79 years old and huh. not dead. There he is doing an interview for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Well, I'm I'm sorry, Mr. Davies. Gimli. Whoa, did did the train just disappear? Did Keith go off? No, I'm just just muting myself while the train goes by. You guys can (laughs) talk amongst yourselves. This train is really loud today. It really cut through the audio, just the sudden silence of the train. Uh, what, What else would make a good TV show? Like Tony Hawk Pro Skater, the television show? 
I'd, I'd love that. Like, you said, only if it's Tony Hawk Underground. Man. It's got to be Tony Hawk Underground if it's a show. Tony Hawk Underground would be a great show. Like, you could do it either the reality way or just like a full-on insano animated version of that video game. John, did you ever play Thug? Yeah, for sure. For sure. People just doing tricks. I don't know if I was ever as into it as you guys were. You had like a little obsession with that going, and I was playing Diablo at Mm -hmm. the time. Oh, man. Thug 2, I... Pretty sure I hundred percented. I love that game. I, I that 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 was my PlayStation Two memory card. The the my story of a lost memory file is my my Thug Two hundred percent just crapped out. Just one day, I, like turned it on and was like, those, those save cards were never very reliable. And it's so many people cheaped out and got the the no name knockoffs that were even worse. It's, it, it, it was it yeah. was not a no name knockoff. It was I, I put my I put all my important shit on the OG Sony's. <laughs> For that reason. And there's one day it was just like, nah. It just said, like, corrupted file. And I could tell from the size of it which one it was. I was like, no. I, I just remember finishing that game for the first time. And it was Frank Sinatra. As you're skateboarding down, uh, whatever, Skatopia, as it explodes. Explodes. And it's, it's that's life. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is, this is wild. I'm, I'm here for this. Absolutely bonkers decision. Out, out running and exploding, <laughs> like because Ben is like, we're just gonna blow up Skatopia, which is a real place. I mean, uh, a lot of them were real places, man. Sure, but like, Skatopia is like, you would think, kind of like, I don't want to blow this up. It's like a four skater by skater spot. They're like, now nah, that's how the game ends. Bam blows up Skatopia. You need to outrun it. Ah, oh, man, Bam is probably the reason that would not be made into a show. Yeah, probably not. But he's a, he's had a bit of a rough go the last little while, hasn't he? He's a, he's a bit of a mess, it seems. Yeah. But appar- apparently doing better. Mm. Like, apparently he's still know, kind right? of, like, beefing and feuding, but, like, people close to him are like, he's now just regular crazy and is not abusing drugs and stuff. So I'm like, that's good. You can be regular crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I saw him feuding with Steve-O, and Steve-O was like... Just the best reply. So what did he say? He got, he got, Bam got really mad with Steve-O, and he's like, now you're posting videos on of you being a skateboarder. You don't know how to be a skateboarder. You're a terrible oh. skateboarder. This is garbage. And Steve-O was like, I'm a terrible skateboarder? Check out these videos that I filmed in the last six months of me skateboarding. And it's just him doing the most basic awful tricks that he's done like actually over the last six months he's like yeah dude i can shred (laughs) look at me i i I, i'm skating by and then i put my foot on the wall and then i put my foot back on my skateboard Woo! he does like one of those things where he just kind of goes up the ramp and then like hawk just flips over him and he's like yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) like he's the kid standing still basically yeah Yeah, yeah. (laughs) and then and like that was his big clap back to bam and i was like that's perfect, Steve-O. That's you exactly. Win, <laughs> you did it. That's, that's exactly how you get out of that that beef. But which is insane, perfectly. though, because like even if you're Bam, I'm like, <laughs> Steve-O never could skate, like other than maybe like using it for transportation. And I don't think he's other than I kind of like to skateboard. I've always thought that like Steve-O and I were comparable skateboarders, whereas Bam was a legitimate professional skateboarder. Yeah, yeah. No, and like Steve-O's whole thing was like, I'm I'm almost fifty years old and I'm learning to skateboard. 
look, I, I just did a kickflip. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. 10 million views, 1 million likes, and that set Bam off for some reason. I mean, he's been having a rough couple of years, and uh, this yeah. is awful. Yeah, yeah. Like, but apparently, uh, back to the maybe he's doing better is apparently he's cleaned up a shit ton uh, on account of the fact that he's trying to get like partial custody of his kids or whatever, or something like that. Hmm. And so, like, that's like he's like getting like court appointed, cleaned up to to see his kids more. So maybe there's, like I said, maybe there's a silver silver lining there somewhere. Yeah. Um, Blah. Yeah. Anyway, I still haven't seen Jackass Four. I really want to. You haven't seen it yet. No, I That's was planning weird. on. I I know because I was planning on doing a thing and like putting setting up the the projector upstairs and and doing an evening of it. But like the weather's been so whack that it's like it's either been like super cold or rainy or ultra windy and all that stuff. And I was all like, man, I need to have a, like a nice evening to do an upstairs film screening. Maybe I'll do it in like yeah. the fall. I have like the fire pits and all that. I feel like we're gonna get a we're gonna get a, a warmer spell again before the year is over. It's still early. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, is it though? We're like a, a week away from September. It's yeah, wild to me. Anyway, let's take a break. All right. <clears throat> so, video games, Tony Hawk's Underground, Twist Metal. But would you turn Baldur's Gate into a TV show? I, I mean, would turn every D and D thing into a TV show all the time. I mean, that D and D movie that just came out—that would have been better as a TV show. Yeah, we, like, we, we talked about it on this shit. show. Yeah, yeah. But aren't the games pretty serious? I don't remember there much comedy in a lot of the games. Uh, no, they're very goofy. The Baldur's Gate is like D and D. It's like high fantasy light. There's all kinds of goofy third wall breaking jokes and stuff like that. Not too much. I, I would say it's like tastefully done. Okay. Uh, in the in the original series, I, like actually the the um, the sense of humor of the game is is one of the things that kind of stands out as being different. Larian, the developer, is known for like really really goofy sense of humor. Okay. And there's a bit of that in Baldur's Gate three that like stands out uh, against what the other titles were. Um, so like, so you're saying like three is goofier than one and two? Yeah, very much so. Okay. Very much so. In fact, like. You know, if it is an RPG and it is based on the D and D rules, so you could think to yourself like it's a, it's the same it's the same game, but it's a little bit like Fallout Three versus Fallout One and Two, where One and Two were like very different and very close to each other thematically, stylistically, whatever. And then there's like a long ten fifteen year gap, and then there's like a new a new world space kind yeah, of yeah. Like other yeah. than. It is linked by being the post-apocalypse. Like, there's really nothing connecting two to three in terms yeah, of even like gameplay style. A, like, a little, a little more than that. Come on, there, there, it's like it's post-apocalyptic and there's vaults. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's yeah, it. But yeah, I'm just saying, but like yeah. your actions, action is completely different. It's like yeah, you're running around third-person shooter basically, <laughs> like instead of more like isometric. But it's like two, even like turn-based. Two? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's turn-based. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and also hex-based. Yeah, that's it. You're, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's it. Yeah. That's anyway, it. so so it's that. Um, is it is it good? Yeah, actually, it's it's a fun, goofy, like mega light D and D game. You know, it's not it's not going to scratch the itch in the same way that Baldur's Gate did because Baldur's Gate was, I think, pretty big about um, having the kind of open world feel. Okay. It, it isn't, like, always open world. There's, like, segments of it where it's not. But both of the games, I think, revolve heavily around an open world sections where you can just kind of run around an adventure and have all kinds of fun. 
And this but, game, but I feel that like D and D is kind of like that too, though, right? Like as a concept, you're you're in an open world thing until you're in a dungeon. Then you're in that dungeon. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and you're like, and now I'm playing this level in the dungeon, and then I will return to open world. So, yeah, is it like that? Is it like that? Um, the thing is, the open world segments are so short that it it kind of feels like a bunch of linear stuff all jammed together. Okay. Now that said, you can go back and forth between a couple of different areas, so it isn't it isn't really totally linear. But I suspect you know, and also I'm like a, I'm only a couple hours into it, so I can't say that I'm I'm giving like a fair end to end judgment. Yeah, it might it might. Be, like, did yeah. you play the new God of War? No. Or the previous new one? No. You should you should get on that. But it's like mm-hmm. God of War, and it, not to say that it necessarily like ever blows full open full world. But, like, almost 10 hours in, you're like, and now the game starts, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. Like, there is, like, there is very much, you're like, oh, like, you're you're basically in a in a closed, tight environment for, like, 10 to 15 hours of the first God of War game. And then yeah. it doesn't necessarily blow open to, like, full open world, but you're sort of like, oh, shit, this is, this is way different. I'm now in a boat, and I can go kind of anywhere and figure this shit out and whatever. So, I don't know, maybe, I hear it's big, right? So... Which game? Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3. Well, I, I don't know. We're going to see how actually long it is. I have the feeling that it's a lot less long than it than it kind of seems. Um, okay. Why am I saying that? I I don't know. There's something. I, I, it's I'm still early. Maybe I, I'm not, I don't even want to say too much. I will I will say that the um the well so, uh, well, so internet says main quest is 40 hours. Okay. So that's reasonably long. Yeah, I, well, if you if you think of the two Baldur's Gates games, both of them have expansions. I think you'd be hard pressed to do a first run through of them. That's two hundred and fifty hours. Like maybe cum- cumulative. Like, and that's yeah. a, that's a run through, or is that because they're saying about forty hours main quest, probably about one hundred and ten hours counting side quests. Huh. That, is on, that is from howlongtobeat.com. dot com. Yeah, I, um, I, I maybe that's possible. Maybe. My guys are level five, and I'm like ten hours in, and the game yeah. ends at level twelve. So I don't, I don't totally know. So it, here's the thing: it does a lot of stuff that's really, really good, and like lets you tr- uh, tackle problems in different ways, and, and and it's like a fair reproduction of the D and D rules in a video game. And it's, it's like five E rules, like I'm assuming. Yeah, it's five Ed yeah. rules. Yeah, and you can make your own character, and there's all these different NPCs, and like when you bring characters into your party, those are like named ca- named player character available dudes. So you like all of the NPCs that can join your party, you can play them as the main character, and then the story kind of like focuses in on whatever that guy's thing is or you could play a custom guy okay that's kind of cool um yeah so there's like a lot of these things that i think are like extraordinarily well done aspects of the game and then there's a lot of parts of it that are extraordinarily poorly done like the engine is is really janky you click sometimes and it doesn't your guy doesn't go or you you know the animation you know the character's body is what you click on to target it with a spell but then if it you know, in its animation routine, it moves its body enough that you cl- go to click on it and you miss it, you know? That's or weird. you're, like, walking your party across the map, and then you realize you get to your location, and then half of your party is stuck on the other side of the map. And then when you try to fast move them over, it doesn't let you because of whatever. All these, like, weird, annoying, glitchy things, and it... They'll fix it with patches. I hope so. <laughs> I don't, I don't a, know necessarily. Did you see the, uh, what's the, the Ryan George... 
if if other if, if puzzles were like computer games or whatever video i saw that one yeah, yeah i did not what's that <laughs> it's just sort of like they're like hey you want to buy this puzzle sure it's like that'll be like 39.99 okay cool and you're like wait a second this is just a box yeah yeah you're not gonna get the game until like a year you're not gonna get this puzzle until a year from now <laughs> and he's like wait what and then he like he's like here's your puzzles like like one year later and you're just sort of like wait there's not all the pieces yeah yeah, yeah. some of that's gonna be dlc and you're like wait some of the pieces are gonna be dlc yeah, yeah yeah and then you're like i don't think this is even like a puzzle this is just a piece of paper that's a triangle yeah and they're like oh we're gonna fix that with a patch <laughs> like okay there there's one argument or like there's one angle by which i totally agree with that criticism and the other side to it is that these mega rpgs particularly on the pc space have always been launched as total goddamn messes and then yeah. some of them have have morphed into treasures and some of them haven't like launch morrowind was fucking atrocious launch fallout 3 would crash all the fucking time yeah. launch fallout 2 needed tons of patching like we could forgive them a little bit of that. Sure. Um, yeah, but at the same time, so the engine that the game is being made in is uh, the Divinity engine. I don't know okay. what they call it, but um, Divin- Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2 were the two like big RPG successes that the studio uh, that the studio did. And I would say a lot, like this very much feels like a, the same game as Divinity Original Sin 2 with the 5th Ed like, rule set slapped on top of it. And so, is, that, is you, it an like, older like, engine? Like... Yeah, it's a little older. Um, it certainly feels a little bit more like uh, it's so. It's hard to kind of explain what the feeling of it is. It's there's a little bit of busy work. So in um, in Fallout Three, you know, you like walk around and you got to like look at all this shit to kind of find the goodies to to pick up. Yeah. This game is full of that garbage too, and you think that you should have like a button, you hold Alter or whatever, and then it highlights all the things that you can click on, but it does not do that. And and the button that you do have to highlight things sometimes misses things, and it misses good things. So the game kind of like incentivizes you to like drag your mouse over every inch of the yeah, I, I, which is on, honestly, which is one of the big reasons I've never I've never beaten a Fallout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that shit's tedious. Yeah, you're like, oh, I walked into this room, and you're like, ugh. And, like, and so much of it is garbage. You're just sort of like, mm. yeah. like I just, yeah. uh, oh, wait, but this is really good. You know, and you're just sort of like, oh, cool. Every, like, I'm I'm wandering through the wasteland, and there's, like, a tiny little house. And you're like, okay, I guess i got to spend ten minutes rifling through these drawers and shit. Cardboard boxes. Wait, how did these cardboard boxes survive 200 years of exposure? Yeah, who cares? But hmm. exactly, that's it. And then you're like, and then sometimes you're like, oh, this triggers a mission. <laughs> and you're like, what, yeah. why? Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah, it, it's. I don't know what. The, it's just like it's. It's so bloaty as a game design. You know, it's like it's such like an artificial ex, like making the game longer for no reason. Yeah, it's, it's a dirty trick fun. to drag out the to drag out the runtime. Mm-hmm. Which the thing is though, like the D and D stuff that it does right is still shines like a light. It's still super fun. You're exploring a cave. You solve a puzzle. You go down. You know, it would you find be artifacts. amazing, John. Here's how I would design a D&D video game. It's like, perception is a stat, right? It's like you walk into a room and you roll perception, and then your result, just X number of things highlight. That's it. The rest of it, you don't get defined. Yeah. yeah. You know? And you're sort of like, everything, your perception score got you this much in the room. Blip, and then you just collect it right away. Yeah. And it would be, be so fun, because if you're playing a character with dog shit perception, you don't get to have all the stuff. And if you're good, good perception... You do get to have all the stuff. To make up for all your terrible stats. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. 
I think that would be a brilliant game choice. And it'd be like a fun game design to be like, oh shit, you played with like low perception or high perception, you could get a whole bunch of different shit if, you know, you're having that. I did it. Put it in the books. Baldur's Gate 4. Brought to you by 9to5.cc. Perception stat. Mm-hmm. Oh, Storyline-wise, though, is it fun? Like, is it Storyline-wise? Actually, it's pretty good. It, it's, um, it hits a good note of doing D&D stuff in a D&D way, but kind of like a goof, goofy and fun. Mm-hmm. The, the driving plotline element is that your character was kidnapped on a Mind Flayer Nautilus ship. The Mind Flayer implanted a toad or a, a tadpole into your head to turn you into a Mind Flayer, and then mm-hmm. in the middle of the ritual or the procedure or whatever, they got interrupted, and then the ship accidentally ports into Avernus, and then you get your ship gets invaded by devils, and then you got to fight your way off, and then flash the ship back to the Forgotten Realms. So it crash lands, and then you get out, and you realize that you have this tadpole in your head, and you have psychic powers, and you're probably turning into a Mind Flayer. So you better go get that looked at. And then the other people who are kidnapped along with you. You had that backstory in Rhyme of the Frost, maybe. Yeah, I exactly had that that backstory. (laughs) And um, (laughs) well, we solved that with a with a like a restoration spell. And in the game, it's like you develop psychic powers, and it becomes a whole big uh, a whole big thing. It's more of a story element, less of a ticking time bomb to exploding your brain. Yeah, this is actually handled fairly well. And in fact, the the you go to a druid grove, you know, the shadow druids trying to take it over, goblins are showing up. It, it's actually pretty well done. Mm-hmm. I'm um, I'm a little surprised. I, it just it feels really narrow, where Baldur's Gates f- felt really wide. Like you travel across the land to different villages to whatever. In this game, you know, you have like the one druid grove you're going to be going back and forth to for. Oh, you know the first. Well, the first third of the game is all focused around this one little area of the map. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah anyway. I mean, I guess it's... And I feel that there is a bit, has been, like, a little bit of pushback on, like, full open world games. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. where you're just sort of like, yeah. it's too much, it's overwhelming, I just want a good story. Is I think there's a lot of, like... I, I get a lot of that <laughs> like, on yeah. the internet, where you're just sort of like, oh, it's 500 hours, like, and, and it's just everything. And you're like, who's got the time? You know, like, if there's a yeah, good story. It, so maybe they're kind of know, leaning into, like, hey, we have a good story, so we don't need to go bananas with world size and scope. I, I don't know that I'm, like, the thing that I'm saying there about that, I'm trying to make it a criticism. It's not necessarily a criticism. It's you there, maybe it feels a, different like, from the sequels. It feels enormously different from the, the two prequels. You know, yeah. in, in, the, in the same kind of way of, like, you go from the Star Wars, the first trilogy, to the second trilogy, it's mm-hmm. like... It's not just that they're badly made movies. They're massively different in tone and in audience and in style. Yeah. Or like yeah. the jump from Grand Theft Auto 2 to Grand Theft Auto 3. That's, that's a big jump or there. 1 to 2. No, 1 and 2 are or, the same. Or, oddly, the jump from Wing Commander 2 to Wing Commander 3. Man, I'm so happy to bring this up every chance I get this, this episode. Commander uh, anyway, so would 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 recommend? Is that... Anyway, yeah, would recommend. It's um, uh, if you like D and D games and you like fiddly games. If you don't like fiddly games, do not play this because you have to fiddle with four characters and their whole freaking character sheets and they're like. Can you imagine having fun picking through that standard and bonus and move action every round for four guys? No, it gets a little heavy. You should be able to like write like. 
put player on auto. A lot of these auto. kind of games do let you do that, or put your NPCs on auto. I would, uh, I would actually get a kick out of that too. Just like even seeing if you could, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I haven't done it yet, but the Final Fantasy VII remake that I started, Andrew swears by it. But that's one of the things that you could do is you can kind of just like. Because it's it's very dynamic, like you're always like you're running around and kind of doing live stuff, but then you you can swap back and forth between who you're playing as your primary, and then when you're in your primary, you can like shout orders to the like the other characters, like with like rapid pressing. And I didn't like I only got into like one like legit, I mean like one legit boss fight. I played basically up to the first boss, and I was like, man, there's definitely something here. Like, that is very cool of, like, I'm focusing on this because I need to be this guy right now or whatever else. And, but I can, like, I know the healer. I can be, like, shout out heals and, like, provide some cover fire or whatever else. And then, like, shout out to the other one. Or you can be, like, fall back if their health's getting too low. So you're just kind of, like, giving them, like, general directions. But then I could also switch and control the healer and the guy that I was playing will go to whatever he was doing. Yeah, all of the Final Fantasies 10 and up that I played had, like, nuggets of them that were total genius. But then oceans of garbage around it i mean andrew andrew said yeah, seven the spirits within effect yeah <laughs> yeah andrew said seven remake was like even though it's only part one he yeah. was like was yeah. he was like was head and shoulders probably like he considers it to be like the best final fantasy since seven like which is i guess mm. silly to say but <laughs> he's like he's like it's different enough the storyline is is like familiar but enough of a departure with enough new stuff that you're not just feeling like you're completely retrotting the the story. Like it's not a it's not a direct translation. He's like, there's enough yeah, new shit that's yeah. like interesting to play. And he's like, and system wise, he's like, it's super super fun compared to like all the other Final Fantasies that have come since <laughs> seven. Uh, <clears throat> Scott, you saw Spider Verse. I did see Spider Verse. And it was very good. Mm-hmm. It was very aggravating for Archer to watch the the last two minutes of that movie. Yeah. Why? Because it ends in a cliffhanger. Like a full cliffhanger. Like a... Like, 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 I mean, so like spoilers, the movie's now out, now out on video on demand. It's been out in theaters for like three months or whatever. Like, Miles Morales, who is, you know, the Spider-Man that that the Spider-Man is about, is like in peril and his friends are like, we gotta go help him. And that's how it ends. Credits. Credits, yeah, that's like without without going full spoilers. That Luke, that's how it ends. Luke gets his hand cut off. Hans frozen in carbonite. Yeah, everything sucks. Credits. Yeah, it's very 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 Empire with the end. How many how many Spider Mans are there? All of them. <laughs> More than hmm. you can count. Literal thousands. Thousands of Spider Mans. And like speaking role Spider Man. Ten. easily maybe more well i mean well spider persons i guess because there's like spider woman and spider gwen who are not Mm -hmm. necessarily spider mans how do they get the derpy spider-man from the original cartoon they do they do Mm -hmm. he's there is he sitting at his desk no he's swinging from the ceiling trying to attack it's a, it's a good good minute. Okay. Yeah. okay. Right. Lego yeah, Spider-Man, nice. boop, boop, on his communicator. Yep. So good. <laughs> that wasn't my favorite part. My favorite part about Lego Spider-Man was when he calls into the, like, spider control center. He's like, hey, it's Peter. And everyone's like, yeah, I know. Hi, Peter. You're, <laughs> you're my favorite. 
keep up like, keep up all the, all the good work that you do. That's how he identifies himself, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I know who, exactly who I'm talking to." Hey, Miguel, it's Peter. Go ahead, Peter. It's like, <laughs> it's great. Uh, Spider Punk is amazing. Spider Punk is is. Hard to look at and and very very cool to to watch. <laughs> Hard to look at, but you also want to like only look at him. Yeah, <laughs> they animated him at a different frame rate, John, which apparently what? turned out to be a nightmare thing to do in three D. Why in so a that, CG three D environment? Yeah, because so so that he looks like he every one of he moves choppier at a frame rate, and it's like there's also kind of like an explosion of like zine stuff going on behind him because he's like a like 1970s Spider-Man okay he's like he's like the lead singer of a punk rock band and whatever else so it's like all like like and like whatever but it's it's and they were like the animators were like it was so cool when we thought about it and then when it came to doing it we were like this is this is a lot of work and turns out computers really don't like doing it (laughs) yeah I This, the 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 spy, Sarah was the the reveal, ultimately of like when they when Spider Punk gives them the uh, the other teleporter. Mm-hmm. Sarah was like, "Oh yeah, because they're all smart." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, of course." He wasn't just stealing random shit. All the Peter Parkers are like intelligent. <laughs> yeah, you know? like it's one of the prerequisites to being a Peter Parker. Mm. Also, the so much so much. So much stuff that is there just just for you as as a viewer, depending on whatever love that is it a bank I think it's a Banksy cracked me up just as a movie about insane art styles all over the place. Yeah. And also uh Scarlet Spider is the greatest. It's Andy Samberg as Scarlet Spider. <laughs> just being... Wait, what? <laughs> the most nineties angsty poorly written like post image comics version of, of Spider-Man. Like like Scarlet argu- Spider- arguably Scarlet Spider is like the worst part of the clone the Spider Clone saga. And the and the Spider Clone saga is pretty much the worst Spider Man event. I mean it, it was supposed to be a year and it ran for three years and it went everywhere and everybody was a clone of everybody and it was just a giant mess in the nineties where they were all trying to be edgy and, and Scarlet Spider was the edgiest. It, I, all I all I wanted to do was watch that part of the movie with Eric, just right there. Does he like Scarlet Spider? He likes that nineties. He does like that nineties stuff aesthetic. Yeah, and for him to just be like, "You look so good," I could hear it in my head. Yeah, and, and exactly, and he looks like nineties ish, and he's always posing. He's like, "Don't I look cool? <clears throat> Is this pose cool?" Hey, Miguel, look at my pose. It's flexing. <laughs> You're just like standing there, like all edgy and just like doing whatever. They're like, God, it's the worst. It's floopy Tony Hawk hair always in his face. Yeah, it's it's great. And and of course the the Donald Glover cameo is amazing. <clears throat> all of all of that that scene was was amazing. All of the cameos and stuff that was around it. This it didn't it wasn't a little pandering, or was that kind of the point? That scene was pandering. Like they were like, we're gonna get all our pandering out now, and they did it through like this, almost like a museum walkthrough of like captured anomalies, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and you just kind of got them all out at once. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. The the first scene with the Da Vinci Vulture was outstanding looking. God, that looked cool. Oh, so crazy! Yeah, it's like it's like a yeah. It's the the Vulture is animated like a, a Da Vinci sketch. And also, I was like, let me cool. guess, you were sitting around in like a like. Something like an old-timey, sketchy version of Italy, drinking a coffee or something, and then a portal ripped out and sucked you in? Well, yeah, actually, that's exactly what happened. Okay, that's what I figured. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's complete and total just acceptance of the multiverse is also great. (laughs) That's fine. We don't need to... It exists. It's happening. This is how we go. Miguel is a a perfect scumbag. Basically, exactly how I read him. Mm Mm-hmm. A plus. Just a huge bummer that the third one is going to be a long way away. Thanks, writers and actor strike. How dare you, sir? Just for the record, <laughs> I disagree with that sentiment and support the writers and actors, not the giant studio executives. I know. So do I, Scott. Uh, but with saying... a cliffhanger like that, I blame the writers. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm going to blame the studio execs. That was a perfect Ryan George moment. So there's going to be two movies? That's twice as many tickets. (laughs) Uh, How did Arch like it? I I was wondering how how it played to to a kiddo. Because so much of it seemed like it was for me. He really liked the, like interpersonal relationships like he's he's into miles and he's into miles and gwen Mm -hmm. and did not like the like the way that they got played by miguel so fully and completely and we're we're ready to turn on him um maybe you're supposed to hate miguel so mission accomplished yeah but more than that he, he kind of was like why are peter and gwen so oblivious like, oh, why are they so, so like, quick okay okay so like he didn't <clears throat> he was not at the i i understand at least in concept that the fate of the multiverse may be more important than the fate of miles morales he was like no miles is a great he's like guy. your friends and your friends should have your back yeah and not you know think call you an anomaly and chase you out Right. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah, like he was. Would, like, I could see how that would be like upsetting to a kid. Like, because I mean, like I'm also like, come on, guys. But like, also, you know, that's going to be the third movie. That's that's the cliffhanger. Is all of yeah. his real friends being like, we're idiots. That well, that's it. He was like, this wouldn't have happened if they would have just come to this realization. You know, thirty minutes of movie ago. Right. Okay. And they should have. Because like he saw Miguel and was like, he is obviously the bad guy. <laughs> Why? Why are they? Why are they working with the bad guy? You can't can't trust the bad guy. Yeah, but I mean, but he's got, a, but he's he's got a point though, Scott. He does have a point, but you know, that's not a ten year old's point. I get it. I get it. To a ten year old, he's obviously the bad guy. I, su- I and, suppose. And the cliffhanger was was the perfect reaction for the cliffhanger. Oh come on! No, you can't go that way. Just like a vocal, physical reaction nice. to it. Because, yeah, it's a long movie. <clears throat> yeah. Maybe maybe even a little too long. There's a lot in there. Yeah. Anyway, I like it. Do you want to put it on the list, Scott? We've both seen it. Sure. Did we Let me open the up first the list. one? It's yes, been a while, guys. I feel like it's a little out of date. 
Um, we haven't added that many to it, though. I was looking back yeah. at some of the old emails, yeah. so it's not we... Since we haven't we, missed as many as we might have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. <clears throat> Since the uh, find on this page, I'm writing Spider. It's going to be a lot of Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man right. Homecoming is... That's ranked at 41. 33 into the Spider-Verse. That's pretty high. I mean, it's a real good... No, it's, it's really superheroes. good. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I, I saw it. It was good. The, the first one was really, really good. Yeah. This, I would say, um, is below the first one. Yes, absolutely. But, like, not that far below the first one, though. Like, to be fair. Um, Spider-Man Far From Home is at 46. Yeah, Homecoming home, is 41. Home, Homecoming is 2017. It's 41. I think it is... Probably... I would put it below Black Panther above Infinity War. Yeah, that's, that's. I was looking right around there too. Like I'm like those are those are comic book movies. I know they're a little bunched up, but I'm also looking below it. Like I'm like it's better than it. It's better than Coraline. It's better than. I'd say it's better than Princess Mononoke. I'm blasphemy. I would. It's know. it's oddly comparable to Coraline and Princess Mononoke. And yeah, it's like in, in that kind of right area. And yeah. except that it's you know got a better soundtrack and art style. I appreciate it more. <laughs> Not to say and, either of those two things are not both Coraline and uh, Princess Mononoke are beautiful, but like Cross the Spider Verses, you you can really tell that they're still harvesting that Jim Mafood concept art, like, <laughs> like and uh, and it's technically very impressive. It looks real good. It looks so good all the and, time. Like you you could it's quite literally probably like screen cap any single frame of that film and make it like a desktop background and it'd be like, yeah, that looks cool. And there's like art in it where they're like, pay attention to where they are and the color palette that they're using. Yeah. Like the, the different universes having different art styles is like real strong aesthetics. So it, it tells, um, it gives visual information or narrative information visually without having to waste time with dialogue and, just by using good setting. And soundtrack, like when, too. Like, when Gwen goes home, you can tell she's home because there's pink and teal yeah. just just reflected through things. And you're like, oh, that's where she is. Yeah. And, and the soundtrack. Is, like I said, I love the, the first, like, whatever 20 minutes is about Gwen, and it's all, all punk rock and whatever else like that. And mm-hmm. then when it cuts to Miles, just like the record scratch, like, and Lane's like, hey, now it's hip-hop again. Yep. Because <laughs> we're back in Miles' planet, not the punk rock planet great yeah yeah it's great perfect well, I, I think we nailed it with that that placement i'm 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 happy with it i, I saw another movie guys yeah, but you, uh, exactly scott uh so peeling back the curtain of how 90s gets made when we take a break there's moments where we talk to each other and we're not recording hard to believe mm-hmm. but scott said i have a two-minute movie review i have a two-minute movie <laughs> review and it's a movie that i can remember seeing on the walls at blockbuster Okay. It's from 1998, and never wanting to watch it, and then it was on Tubi, I think, just clicking around. No, it's on D- Disney Plus right now, okay. and I'm just clicking around, and I'm like, oh, this movie was directed by Stephen Summers, who directed The Mummy, and The Mummy Returns, hmm. two of my all-time favorite movies, Yeah, and I read a quick 
review of it online from like some geek, you know, old timey hidden gems. And they're like, you have to watch this movie deep rising. Um, so I put it on, it's like two in the morning. Rings a bell to me. I mean, it might, and it shouldn't because it's starring treat Williams as the, as the male lead, which is a wild the Nautica sets out. I, on I remember first that. Eye. Yeah, I, I mean, the, it's that, got a bunch the, of like those guys, like the crew yeah. that are like military scumbags, yeah, are like yeah. uh, Jason Fleming from Lockstock and Jimon Honsu, and like, oh yeah, it's that guy, it's that guy, and the two leads are Treat Williams and Famke Janssen, and Kevin J. O'Connor, the guy who plays Benny in the Mummy, plays the like. The, oh the right hand man of Treat Williams on this can on this I, boat. Can I pause you for a second, Scott. Yes, please. For, so first of all, the tagline is the greatest tagline ever, which is "Full scream ahead." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Se- second of all, it says from the special effects team who made quotation marks Total Recall and quotation marks Star Wars. But what I didn't say because I paused for effect was that special effects team is also in quotation marks. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? It's from like the, one guy from the air quote special effects team, close quotes, <laughs> who brought you Total Recall in Star Wars. It's just like Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so, f- first off, this uh, I watched it for five minutes at two in the morning, and I stopped it. I was like, no, <laughs> I have to wait for Marissa to watch this movie with me because I can already tell that this is going to be amazing. Okay, and it it totally was. It delivered on everything you want from a like a gross out version of Speed Two made by the guy who made the Mummy. That's okay. that's like the best the best way I can explain. It's 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 under siege, but it's by Stephen Summers, and there's a bunch of like splatter housey people melting from digestive acids. That seems cool. It's box so office. Cool. Eleven million on a budget of forty-five million. Yep, it did, did so, not. Sounds do like well. a box office whoopsie. And yep, everything whoopsie. again. You put a Treat Williams as the star of a movie. Like, <laughs> like what are you? What are you doing? And all whoopsie. I could imagine was like, if Brendan Fraser was the star of this movie, it would have been like an all-timer. Like, that being if, said, if, like, Treat Williams fails that hard. No, he's he's fine. He's yeah. just. He can't escape the fact that he's Treat Williams. <laughs> like, if you look at him, you're like, oh, he's that guy who shows up for the third movie of a trilogy. And... Uh, it's me, it Todd Bourne. Exactly. He's, <laughs> he's, he's the guy in The Substitute 2. Right? Like, all of those, like, bad straight-to-video... again. Exactly. All of that shit. That's, that's, that's Treat Williams' career. And he's in the first movie of this... So, like, what are you going to do? You can't, you can't get away from it. But this movie's fucking nuts and great, and it's amazing. It's it's a it's a guy who it has a ship. He's like a, a shitty version of Han Solo. It's called the Argonautica. Uh, the Argonautica, which is basically a souped-up speedboat, mm-hmm. and he has a job, no questions asked, to take some guys out into the middle of nowhere. But it turns out it's not the middle of nowhere. There's a brand new cruise ship there. And these guys are going to hijack it because it's like a casino cruise ship. So they're going to like 
use this guy's speedboat to Ocean's Eleven this this cruise ship. No, they they call but, it they call it Lands Eleven when it's on the whatever. ocean. Whatever. <laughs> uh, but there's monsters from the ocean on the boat and they're gonna kill everyone and now it's like an alien type thing. How okay. do we survive? Ah, we're getting I picked like off it. one by one. And it's by the guy who did the mummy. It delivers completely. Watch this movie and have a good time. Uh, popcorn and fucking drugs make it better. It's it's <laughs> it, it's it absolutely seems like a movie that I would enjoy watching up at the cabin. Like it, mm-hmm. it's, Ab- it's, yes, absolutely. Seems it's like a Friday, exactly Friday night at the cabin movie all over it. I'm, I've taken a note of Deep Rising. <laughs> and, and again, if you liked the mummy and you liked fucking Kevin J. O'Connor, the guy who plays Benny in The Mummy. Mm-hmm. He features largely and, and whines and is terrified all the way through it, and it's, it's great. It's perfect. Okay. I couldn't be happier to have watched this 25-year-old 25-year-old movie. How does it compare to The Mummy? It's coming soon to being a television show on Peacock, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right? How does it compare to The Mummy? Yeah. Um, Thematically, you'll if you're like really familiar with the Mummy, like the, the Mummy is a movie I've seen forty or fifty times. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie. You can, it's 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 top ten for me, I think. And you'll be like, oh, he obviously got the same guy to do the music as the Mummy, which, mm-hmm. which he did. Uh, he got a lot of the same special effects as he did for the Mummy. Yep. He overuses CG. That's not up to what he wants to do, just like he did oh, yeah. in the mummy. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. it's it's, yeah, it's right rough. there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he does. What's crazy he, though is hang on. you know that you know that thing in the mummy where they're just talking and then the wind blows and they're like, "Wow, that's creepy," and they, they become very breaking the fourth wall about the, mm-hmm. the the conceit. They do that with the lights flickering in Deep Rising. Just like, why does that keep happening when we say, "Hey, I'm going to go check out over here. I'll be right back." It's just it's everything he learned from Deep Rising. He like polishes up for the Mummy. It's it's like a, right a school project. But I feel into the like mummy. I feel like if the Deep Rising is having a moment, because like right I mean, right now on his Wikipedia page, it is like he's best known for big budget action movies like The Mummy, The Mummy Returns, Van Helsing, GI Joe: The Rise of Cobra. Uh, he also it directed Adventures of Huck Finn, Disney's live action version, and the cult classic horror film Deep Rising. That's his like paragraph. <laughs> right now on Wikipedia, I, I I didn't write that, but if I saw that was missing, I would have. His directorial debut was the 1989 version of Catch Me If You Can, which I have not seen. I haven't Whatever. seen it either. Who was in it? It's not. It, which is, has nothing to do with the other Catch Me If You Can. Oh, okay. This is. Oh, man. oh my god! I really want to see this. So apparently, it is the directorial debut of Stephen Summers, but features an entire soundtrack by Tangerine Dream. <laughs> a rebel, a legend, a romance, the ultimate race, and it's a car movie. Sign me up. It had an eight hundred thousand dollar budget and made four thousand dollars at the box office. Everybody. Woo! <laughs> oh man, I didn't know Stephen Summers wrote Gunman. That's also an excellent movie. Why? Why is the ta- like? Oh my god! I really, really, really need to see this movie. You, the, sa- you really... the soundtrack. The soundtrack by Tangerine Dream blows my mind. Like, no, get out of there. What? 
you, you need to see Catch Me If You Can just because of Tangerine Dream. No, but like, and also standing as the directorial debut of Stephen Summers. I want to know, like, like Proto Summers with an insane soundtrack by, you know, German Electronic Outfit. Like, what the hell? All right. Yeah, no, I guess I can watch that too. Like, they, hang on. The movie follows the antics of high school students and their adventure to save their school from being closed. You know? Class president started raising money through donations to keep the school open, but when fundraising begins to slow down, Dylan convinces Melissa that he can save the school. They take $3,000 of the money that has already been raised to bet on an illegal car race that Dylan is convinced he will win. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Fast and the Furious uh, prototype. It's so, I mean, I'm rereading the entire thing because there's only a couple lines. Dylan doesn't win the race. <laughs> So he doubles down. In order to get the money back, he's forced to double down on an impossible race against the clock that only the town legend has ever accomplished. See? The film ends with a spectacular stunt as car and driver jump through the goalposts during a football game. Football game. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that... I guess apparently someone... He's the second person to do this. <laughs> Only the town legend has ever jumped through the goalposts at a football game. During a football game. During a football game. Like, I assume it's not a halftime show. I think the play is on. Oh, man. Oh, man. That does sound great. It sounds at least watchable. Like, what is it? Hang on. What's the runtime? It's got to be 72 minutes. No, it's 106 <laughs> minutes. That's too long, Stephen Summers. The entire synopsis was a paragraph. Uh, but yeah, no, but I wonder, like, he must have been working on Deep Rising and The Mummy at the same time, right? Like, 98, he, he must have been and making, both of, and both of them had CG stuff, so... They, I, they must have come out bang, bang. Yeah, Deep Rising came out February 98, and Mummy came out May 99, so yeah, I'm sure those... those I'm, and, like, the scope of The Mummy, I'm sure that he was... Probably working on the mummy at the it, it it feels like like a homework thing. Like, do you remember um, Robert Rodriguez was talking about just getting digital cameras, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll film on digital if that's what you want." Because yeah. now I'm going to have to learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. It feels like he was doing homework for the mummy in yeah. making Deep Rising. Just like I'm going to make this movie. It's going to be weird. Kind of like like Bottle Rocket. Yeah. Like when you watch Bottle Rocket, you're like, "Oh, he's." Figuring out how to be Wes Anderson. Or or Slacker. Yeah. Yeah, just like... Uh, I'm going to do this movie. It's going to teach me the things I need to do to, to make that movie. Yeah. yeah. Watch Deep Rising. It's so much fun. So, I will. It's on, it's on my list, and then I'll watch right it. Right on. And, I'll yeah. you and again, just like a real hidden gem, a thing that I never gave a chance to, never did any research. Despite working at a video store in the And watching and watching a lot of awful movies. Mm-hmm. Just miss this one. Again, the oh, fucking Treat oh, Williams. You know, you know what? The internet we as we, we talked about at the beginning of the show, we live in the future. Where you could yeah. just, where you could just watch Deep Rising anytime you want. That'd be think about how hard that would be when we were younger. You'd have to like go seek out Deep Rising. You would need to be mm-hmm. a man on a mission. Now you're just like, there it well, is. you just go to the video store. They'd be around the corner everywhere. Yeah, but how, really? Out of like, how many how many shitty action movies from 25 years ago? Those things get pared down and sold off, man. Yeah, but I remember when this was on the wall. 
Yeah, no, I know, but I'm saying, but now. I'm saying in 2023, if you were like, someone was like, man, you should watch Deep Rising, you'd be like, uh, what? And like, that would, it'd become also, a journey for you to get Deep Rising. It's also a wild thing to me that Stephen Summers' last movie was 2013. Like 10 years, he hasn't directed at all. Hmm. Yeah. And he's he did not that young, he's like early 60s. Not even that old, I should say. Yeah, I'm saying. He's, he's he made stopped, a bunch of like really... He stopped directing in his like early 50s. Yeah. Anyway. He's, he, he makes schlocky action horror stuff. and But he did it well, man. I know. Let's not want more. And even then, he didn't direct the, the third Scorpion King. So, you know. Or the third Mummy movie. So that's it, not even on him. Yeah, and it was the bad one. It was, it was the bad one. This is Donnie S. Hey, friends. Bye. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 905.cc. <laughs> Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.